Welcome to Checks and Balances. I'm Michael Vincent. This is James Blair. And this week, joint venture property investments. All right, Michael, there's some highlights that come in my week. One <laughs> is when I get to see your pretty face go out for brunch. The second is my morning coffee. But probably what triumphs all of those is when we get a listener question. And boy, do we have a good one today. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's when you, uh, when you get to see me try and do the intros five times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, fourth, fourth wall, shout it. <laughs> Uh, so today's today we've got a listener question from Thomas. Uh, Thomas is also one of our clients, but just like to point out, we love listener questions. It makes us feel loved, cared about. So please, if we've actually got two this week that we're going to do, another one which came through by Instagram. But if you do have a, a question, we love those kind of topics, uh, those kind of questions. So please send them through. So Michael, today's topic is about joint venture investment property try and say that five times i already have so, <laughs> so i will i'll read out the question but then a lot of today is about i guess your expertise and you know with the property market as tricky as it is now mm. the barrier to entry i'm sure a lot of people are thinking about uh how do i get on with somebody else or how do i um oh, and how does the mechanics of it all work yeah and there's different strategies to um uh, to sort of facilitate that and going in with someone can be a really good way to get into the property market sooner rather than later. Um, but you just need to know what to think about and the pitfalls of doing that and, and just things to consider. Great. Okay. So I'll read this question. It's, it's a little bit long, but, but we'll get through it together. Okay. So firstly, I enjoy listening to your Checks and Balances podcast. Thank you very much. I'm not sure whether you take suggestions for potential content. Thomas, it's like you've never watched an episode. We're always asking for questions. But there's a topic close to my heart, which I'd be interested in learning more about. I'm keen to undertake some joint business venture or other with a younger family member to give him exposure to the world of property and investment. Mm. Having recently bought my first two rental properties with the assistance of Andrew from Lighthouse Mortgages. Well done, AJ. Out, I, was thinking about, I was thinking about creating an arrangement whereby the family member I mentioned can put in a certain amount of cash into one of my properties in exchange for a share of the returns. However, the math on such structure was very unclear to me when I attempted it, since his contributions to the venture would be a one-off cash input, whereas mine would be equity from the property as well as servicing of the actual mortgage. It is slightly cash flow negative. We would be keen to hear any suggestions from you and Michael you may have on the subject and any other ideas for joint investment investment ventures you may have. Um, and then he just says, uh, really looking forward to seeing how this goes. Yeah, cool. So thanks, Thomas. Um, look, that's what we'll do is we'll answer, I'll answer that a little bit and then we'll get into a bit more about different ways that you can do this and what that looks like. And so by the sounds of this question, this is an existing property that you already own. Um, it is already tenanted, negatively geared, um, and they're just chipping in some cash. So look, unequal inputs always mean or usually mean unequal outputs uh, in any sort of investment, right? So if, you're, um, uh, if your family member is just inputting a lump sum of cash, um, 
I would sort of rewind a little bit and just sort of think, what do you both want out of this venture and what do you want to gain out of getting him into it? And it sounds like you just want to get him into the world of property. And perhaps there is another way that that can be done. Um, and I'll, I'll go through that in a little bit. But the maths on this one is really just going to come down to um, agreeing the share split or the, um, the, uh, the profit split at the end of this investment, right? Um, and you need to consider the timeline. So how long do you want him in this venture for? How long do you want to hold this house for? What are the tax implications if you sell early and all these sorts of things? And we'll, we'll get on to that. But because you're going to be contributing more uh, via way of your equity and topping up um, uh, the on the monthly mortgage and that sort of thing and running costs and that sort of stuff, it's just an unequal input into the um, uh, into the investment. So it just means that you need to agree on the split when you sell the property um, and you need to agree that up front. There's a thousand different ways you can run this math. Um, you can look at total cost over time to both of you. Um, you can look at um, uh, total cost over time plus factor your original investment in the property. Um, there's there's a there's hundred different ways you can do it. You guys just both need to agree on something that's fair um now but also is going to be fair assuming there's going to be capital gains going forward uh in the future um yeah i i, I i'm i don't want to give you exact math on how to do it because it, it really just is going to come down to agreeing what's fair um and, and what you're both happy with and you know think about what you're going to be happy with if it makes a million dollars and what you're going to be happy with if it makes a hundred thousand um, dollars because the amount that you're making off an investment can sometimes change that so you need, need to be prepared for sort of um with what you agree it doesn't matter how much you get out of it you're happy with it and then if you make a loss that those costs are passed on in that same way as well the cash contribution method seems to in my kind of simple way of thinking about life seems to tick a lot of the boxes would you Obviously, if you're, if, and that, this is probably the quite interesting thing about this question is we're talking about one person regularly topping it up and the other person not by the sounds of it. And that opposed to if you had, I don't know, I put in 60% of the cash, Michael, you put in 40% of the cash. You go, well, there's a pretty obvious split. Mm. But the regular, the regular topping up going forward, would you do the math on the contributions at, at sale time, essentially? Is that? A way to do it or yeah well what's making this complex is that it's an existing property that it sounds like thomas has already been contributing cash to so you could mm -hmm. just like that, that i mean to be honest the easiest way to do it is just at, at point of sale look at the total cost to everybody and divide on that basis um yeah. but once again is is are both parties happy with that um and and, and what i mean by that is um you, you need some sort of agreement really as to what that point of sale is going to be and what that exit strategy looks like. So because what happens if the family member just wants out, but Thomas doesn't want to sell the house. Uh, and then we're starting to look at, okay, what is the capital gain? Uh, and how is Thomas going to buy him out? And, you know, and then how do the cost factor? And just, it can start to get really tricky because this is an existing house where someone's just throwing a lump sum in. My honest advice would be get a brand new house, <laughs> um, get a new investment. Funny that, yeah. Funny that the mortgage, <laughs> the mortgage broker says, "Hey, borrow more money." <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I mean, and because you know, if you're starting with a clean slate, right? And 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 I'm 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 hoping that gives you some clarity. I feel like I didn't give you a lot of clarity, but to be honest, Thomas, but um, 
on your exact scenario, the math, just running the math on total cost and investment at point of sale is probably going to be the easiest way to divide up a split. You just need to agree on that ahead of time. Um, but, you know, there, there are other ways you can go into property with um, people, other ways you can get into these investments. And a new house or a brand new investment is just going to be a much easier split. Um, can I can I ask on that point, Mike, because you mentioned it a couple of times around new is easier than old. Mm. Couldn't you just get a valuation on the house and go, right, this is, um, you like, forget about the contribution method, but you're putting in a hundred grand. We've just had this house valued at a million dollars. Therefore, at this point, you have a 10% ownership stake in it. It's, it's, it's at the- Absolutely, uh, but remember valuation. that he's been, he's been paying a mortgage up to this point as well. And he's been covering the cost up to this point as well. So I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying it's easier with a brand new house. Um, yeah, you can get a valuation. You just need to, do you run the math backwards from now for contributions? Like it just, yeah. Uh, do you add those contributions onto the valuation? Like there's just, there's a lot of different ways that it can be cut because you're you're having to untangle what's already there to put an investment in really. Yeah, there's probably two other points in here as well for me. One is that, I mean, there are financial implications here. You want to make sure you get to an equitable financial outcome, but this is really a decision from the heart, right? Thomas mm. is wanting to, it looks like help a family member um, he seems to have done quite well in property. He wants yep. to kind of give somebody else a, a leg up. So while there are certainly financial implications and you want to make sure you get them right, you wouldn't be doing this in the first place unless you were um, emotionally involved as well. Yeah, exactly. But And this is going to lead me on to actually, I'll, I'll cover this point now, right? So very... Um, it's, it's quite common in the market today to see family members going on property together, brother and sister, parents, children, these sorts of things. Um, and every time a customer comes to us with this scenario, it's, we, we give the same sort of advice that they need to consider, which is what is the timeline on the investment and what does both, what do both parties want out of the investment? And then what happens if it all goes right? And then what happens if it all goes wrong? So the first point there is the timeline on the investment. If you're, um, and this is probably true in Thomas's case as well, it sounds like one is younger, uh, the, the family member is younger than Thomas, but if you're going into um, a property with your parents as an investment property, you probably have different timelines to the investment or different um, horizon for when you want to sell it. Your parents might want to hold this and just get the passive income off it. You, on the other hand, might want to sell it, get that capital gain and go use that on a, a property with your partner when you eventually or, or yourself if you do want your own place so the, those are sort of factors you need to consider because it can you can start to become a little um uh it gets a little bit muddy when you're trying to buy people out and you know maybe mom and dad are older now so they can't borrow so then it's an, a, an emotional thing of okay am i gonna sell my parents only investment property or something like that right and you can see how it just even though the investment is going well just a little thing like having a different timeline on that investment can start to really unravel things. So the, sorry, yeah. the other one, I was just going to say, Mike, the other thing we see all the time is, uh, you know, single siblings uh, who don't have a partner hmm. uh, come together and buy a house together, but they might be, I, I don't know, like 23, 25 when that happens. And obviously their life's going to change a lot over the next five years and they don't necessarily know what their life is going to be like. Hmm. Uh, well, they won't know what their life is going to be like in the future. 
So some of the big ones we see is one, uh, one of them wants to go and do an OE, don't want to contribute anymore, wants to take the cash and exit out. And then that can be very complicated for the other sibling to do. The other big one is when the one of the siblings finds a partner and they want to have their own home and their own space, but they need the equity out of the existing house to do it. And the other person's like, hey, you know, I've got an okay income. I don't have a big enough income to service this property by myself. So your yeah. point around timelines, agreeing things up front, uh, similar goals, agreements is exceptionally important mm. as part of this. Yeah. So w- once all that's agreed and, and, and that sort of thing, the, the other sort of, um, uh, I guess the other sort of um, thing to look at is what if it all goes right and then what if it all goes wrong? So what if it all goes right? So let's say James and I are going into an investment property together um, and we say, yep, five years is the is the um, bright line test on this. So we're going to hold for five years and then we're going to sell it. So what happens though, if we get to five years and the property is absolutely smashing it um, and then, you know, uh, we're getting a good rental income off it. But at that point, I want to have I, I still, yep, I want to sell it. But James says, no, I don't want to sell it because we're doing so well out of this house. We're, we're never going to be able to do that. So what happens at that point? You, you need to, and it sounds easy to say, oh, we just get a valuation and James just buys it out. But it comes back to that, um, it comes back to that, uh, I guess, the, um, the ability to do that at that point in time. Can James buy it out? You know, um, is there another way that we can exit this property or, or something like that? Because that that can also start to um, cause a real rift um, if, you know, you, now one person's trying to hold on to this investment because it's going so well. And the other person is like, well, actually, we agreed to this five years ago. Um, I want to exit. If it all goes wrong, what happens? So what happens if James loses his job and James can't contribute his half of the costs? Um to the uh, to the mortgage or to the rates or to these sorts of things to top it up, you know, then I'm left picking that up. So what happens in that instance? And I don't mean literally what happens. Do I have to transfer money over? I mean, how does that affect the profit share at the end? Does that affect the profit share at the end? And at what point, if it's all going wrong, do we call it and just say that's we we can't keep doing this? And absolutely, you can agree these things at the time, but I would say it is better to have these conversations up front. Um, just so there's some framework that you can reference back to, hey, we had this conversation. Um, I'm not the bad guy. This is just what we agreed five years ago. Michael, I'm getting a little bit worried here. Uh, I thought we had an agreement that if I lost my job, you would keep me in the lifestyle I'm accustomed to. (laughs) I'm already keeping you in the lifestyle you're accustomed to. Those those brunches don't pay for themselves. Um, I feel like this is a foreshadowing of future conversations. (laughs) Like, James, we had an agreement up front. Yeah, but it, it, it is a really important point. And, you know, like I said, the, the, this may change at the time, but you just need to um, uh, you just need to have these discussions and have some sort of framework that you can reference back to when you are sort of looking at these. Right. And a point we haven't touched on, which but is, I would hope, super obvious, is regardless of how close you are to this person, even if you're as close as Michael and I, still go see a lawyer, still go make the investment, Make sure there's a, a joint a joint venture. Mm. Uh, however, you, however the lawyer sees the right way for it to be drawn up, and you have all of these ugly conversations up front, yeah. uh, because it's just to Michael's point, so much easier. Like in, in any parts of your life, 
setting expectations up front so everything's nice and clear. Yeah. So then what I just want to touch on quickly uh, as well as a couple of other scenarios around how people are, um, are doing this. Um, so the easiest scenario, and I'll use James and I as an example again. So the easiest um, sort of way to divvy this up is uh, if James and I both have separate cash and we put that cash in as equity, and then that forms the deposit that we need to purchase the house. And both of our servicing ability, if there's a mortgage on this property, um, is, is assessed by the bank. So it's a relatively easy way to do it. Um, if it's a 60-40 split, if it's a 50-50 split, it doesn't matter. That's pretty easy to, to figure out at the point of sale. And all of that can be agreed up front if everything's just divided down the middle. Let's say <clears throat> James has the cash, but I have equity in my house that I'm using. Uh, how do you divide that up? The easiest way to, to, divide, to divide that up is for me to borrow that, um, that equity separately. So I would essentially withdraw it as cash and then put it, into the, um, uh, put it into the deposit. James just puts his cash deposit in. I don't physically mean I have to get cash and, and give it to James. I just mean that that chunk of borrowing or equity um, just has my name on it. It's not a joint um, loan between James and I. The other way to do it um, is if I need some of James's income um, to get at that equity that I've got sitting in my house um, and, I, and we still want to divide it down the lines of, um, uh, I guess, uh, who's using what equity and what cash is, let's say we were um, purchasing a house for a million dollars. We're both chipping in $100,000 each. James is chipping in 100,000 cash. I'm chipping in 100,000 equity. The relative split on that mortgage would be 400,000 to James and 500,000 to me. So I would be paying the interest cost on 500,000 and James would be paying the interest cost on 400,000 because I've got that additional 100,000 um, of equity that we've used uh, and it's just come out as, as, as borrowing, even though both of our names were on all of the loans. So that's sort of some of the ways you can split uh, the equity investment uh, when you're where, or the or the deposit when you're getting into the uh, getting into investment properties with people. Awesome. Okay. So, Thomas, I hope you have found this very helpful. We get asked all the time about how to get onto the property ladder sooner. How would it work if I bought a property with my friend or my sibling? So mm. this this should have been some really good stuff for you to to get into. Make sure you have those conversations with the mortgage broker. Make sure you're having those conversations with the lawyer. Make sure if you've got a, a listener question, you send it through because you'll make my day. Um, every time I send Michael a listener question, the response is, what a buzz. So <laughs> Absolutely. We, will wrap, we will wrap it up there. Please make sure to subscribe, give us a like, give us a review on Apple, and we'll see you next week. Cheers.